0: This podcast is brought to you by Spotify for podcasters. Have you yourself ever wanted to become a podcaster? Well, Spotify makes it simple and easy to do so. You can record, edit, and even distribute your podcast straight from their app. The best part? It is absolutely 100% free. Visit their website podcasters.spotify.com for more details and download the app on your Apple or Android devices today to get started on your podcasting adventure. That's Spotify for Podcasters. What's going on, everybody? Travis Fowler, Harkrider, back again with another edition of the Four Corner Podcast. So you know what time that means. Let's talk pro wrestling. So this week, I actually am very surprised with how good of production show-wise the wrestling shows were this week. Admittedly, I haven't watched the Impact Wrestling for this week yet, and also have not watched Slammiversary, which I plan to do in the next coming days. So um, I look forward to that. I tried to stay spoiler-free as much as I can. Unfortunately, there have been some things that I just couldn't unsee and uh, came across on social media that I was actually surprised that there was some coverage of so. And um, it was a little disappointing on some of the fact that I've gotten to know who won certain matches, but in other instances, I kind of figured that they were gonna go a certain direction, so I'm not too surprised. Um, But I still am gonna look forward to watching the Impact show from this past week, followed by the Slammiversary show. I look forward to that. But honestly, yeah, all the shows that I've watched, um, I think out of all of them, SmackDown was like the weakest, when usually they're kind of the strongest of the shows. Um, It wasn't a bad show per se, but it wasn't like what I've been used to with the SmackDown show over the last couple of years now or so, maybe even just a tad bit longer than that. Um, but overall, wrestling was really top notch this week and I've gotta give credit where credit is due. Um, y'all have heard me talk about my issues with AEW at times and it's never been necessarily anything that's been detrimental to me watching the product. But uh, this past week specifically, They've been great about their production value. They've been amazing about the shows that they've been producing, both Dynamite and I haven't seen Collision from last night, but I've heard a lot of good things from it. And specifically, I'll talk about one aspect of both shows that I've enjoyed. Um, But especially on Dynamite, the Wednesday edition was absolutely awesome for a show top to bottom. I really didn't have, much of any complaint with that. I thought it was a very entertaining show. Collision has been great since its debut for the most part. Um, obviously, there's always going to be tidbits that you don't necessarily enjoy. And also when it comes to Raw, i watched the Hulu version, which is only an hour and a half as opposed to the three. You know, they trim off the fat for that. So um, it kind of gives you a sense of what Raw used to be like. But um, going back to AEW's Dynamite and Collision, Something I've enjoyed recently about both shows is the use of tournaments. I've always been a fan of tournaments. Like the King of the Ring tournament is always been something I've enjoyed. My favorite tournament has probably been the Cruiserweight Classic when it comes to at least WWE side of things as well as maybe um, West Side uh, professional wrestling in general. Cause I know obviously in Japan They've got several different tournament styles they do, like the G1 is this month and things like that. Um, But again, as somebody who doesn't follow New Japan on the regular, I can't say as I necessarily enjoy that tournament. I've heard a little bit of the structure of it, but I've never fully committed to it. So I can't say that I've enjoyed a New Japan tournament, although I've heard great things critic-wise and fan-wise to their credit on the G1 Climax. But anyway, I digress and get back the tag eliminator tournament specifically for dynamite has actually been very fun they intertwining the adam cole mjf story into it i think actually was a genius move it was a kind of a fresh take on the whole uh, a welkin the opponents be partners, which we all know eventually where this is going to go to. We're just going to have to wait and see is who pulls the trigger first. Will it be Adam Cole that pulls it against MJF or will MJF do what we expect him to do at some point in time? Is Adam Cole going to get the one up on him? All these different questions, which is great for AEW and especially in the storytelling aspect where many have said that that's been where they've lacked. This is a good storytelling uh, tool that they have utilized, and it's doing very well for them. I think the MJF Adam Cole uh, feud slash tag story that they've got going with it is very good. It's brought interest to the Eliminator Tournament, as well as a few teams that came out of it that have actually been pretty like, oh, well, that's not bad. I personally enjoyed uh, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. I know a lot of people had enjoyed the Darby Allin Orange Cassidy team. Um, There's a few teams that came out of this that I'm like, yeah, this is not too bad whatsoever and is a lot more entertaining than what I expected it to be. On Collision, they've been focusing more on the Owen Hart Foundation tournament, and that's going over pretty well with obviously the Punk and Joe match from a week prior being like the head story collision and then last night the tournament wrapped since I haven't seen it yet um, I don't want to say whether it was a good or bad finale but I do know who won both the men and women's side of the tournament so effectively um, you had three well technically three tournaments but you could probably count two of them as one considering it was a male and female bracket So um, overall, the Owen Hart tournament along with the Tag Eliminator tournament for AEW has, I think, paid off very well for them. And then on Collision as well, you had the Bullet Club Gold versus FTR 2 out of 3 falls match. I actually still don't know who won those matches. And for those of you that want to stay spoiler free for the tournament, go ahead and skip ahead for probably the next 10 seconds. On the men's side, surprisingly, Ricky Starks pulled out the win over CM Punk, and I kind of figured Willow Nightingale was gonna pick it up on the women's side. So, um, great wins by both guys, and when I say guys, that's Ferg, Gal, and Guy. Um, and I do look forward to watching the two out of three falls match between FTR and BCG, or Bang Bang Gang, as they're trying to go through as well. Um, I gotta say, AEW's making a lot of good moves. There's also been rumors about them having their TV deal extended with Warner Brothers Discovery um, as they have been extremely pleased with the output that AEW has had for their TV product as well as being able to arrange certain shows to be, uh, I guess, more fittable if you want to go that route uh, for certain things like if the nba has playoff games um, or situations of that sort um, they also had battle of the belts last night um, i think we can write that off as very much like rampage Whereas like does anybody really care does anybody even watch them because i have yet to watch a single battle of the belts and i know that was supposed to be like their clash of the champions sort of take but it hasn't really paid off all that well, I don't think. Rampage and uh, Battle of the Belts has kind of been man, when it comes to shows anyway. Every once in a while, it seems intriguing, but for the most part, it's kind of whatever at this moment. Um, I have a little bit of a stronger opinion when it comes to the Ring of Honor brand, which we'll get into a little bit later, but um, I really think they could have curbed some of the failures, if you will, in some aspects. Maybe not even call them failures, but disappointments at the very least. Um, Hopefully they have time to turn around the ship, but in certain aspects, I really just don't know. Over on the WWE side of things, SummerSlam is shaping up to be a decent card, and this is going to be the first card outside of a B pay-per-view and since WrestleMania that's going to be stateside this year. Um, I look forward to seeing how they pull off uh, the rec- the crowd there. I was about to say record-setting crowd, but we don't know that that's going to be the case. All we know is that it's at Ford Field, and I really hope the best and that they continue their streak of great PLEs because they've done very well. Um, some still question at least part of the Wrestlemania PLE I'm still semi in that boat we don't need to go down the road but I do very much believe that WWE has been firing on all cylinders even much so as to Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez giving props to WWE earlier this week talking about how their viewership has been up their merchandise sales have never been higher and this is including Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin eras so There's a lot of good things going on for WWE. Like I said, the SummerSlam card seems great. We've got Jey Uso and Roman Reigns to look forward to. Uh, Is there going to be a Seth Rollins match? Because last reports of matches that were listed for the card, there didn't seem to be one. I highly doubt that stays that way. Um, There's been a lot of rumors about LA Knight getting the U.S. title opportunity, and they also are doing their version of a tournament with the whole Uh, United States Title Invitational, where we've got the uh, Fatal 4-Way that took place on SmackDown Friday, and then we've got another one coming up here this Friday. Um, I believe Santos Escobar was the one who picked it up on this past Friday's win, Fully expect LA Knight to win this upcoming weeks, and I do think we're gonna get LA Knight versus Austin Theory, which should be a pretty fun little future versus present, or you could even go future versus future, because as I've stated on this show, I believe LA Knight, along with Cody Rhodes, can be the face of the company for the next five years for the WWE brand. He's getting great receptions, he's got great momentum, he can talk, he can work, The dude is money, and I only see it as a short matter of time before he has some gold around his waist, and I do believe it will be the United States Championship. But speaking of SmackDown, can we talk about the Bobby Lashley cameo with the Street Profits at one point in the show where they went away in a van, or I should say in a limousine SUV? Could this be a sign of what is to come for Bobby Lashley and the profits? There's been rumors of heel turns. There's also been rumors that have floated for months about a reuniting Hurt Business. I can totally see them doing the Hurt Business 2.0 where instead of it being MVP, Lashley, Benjamin, and Alexander, even though they were the OG HB, I wish they would reunite that, but if they're gonna do a second version of it, putting Lashley back at the helm with the profits as the tag team for the group, and then here's the wild card, you throw Omos with MVP in there, That brings MVP back into a forefront, that kind of puts the juggernaut on the team while still having your big, brute champion lead it with Bobby Lashley, if you will. I could see that being a possibility and a fun one at that. So we'll see how things turn out with that. I wouldn't expect anything to happen until after SummerSlam or maybe at SummerSlam itself. But either way, I think it's a promising aspect for both Bobby Lashley as well as The Prophets, and if they do throw Omos and MVP in there, I think it could be good things for them as well. Now, a couple things I wanna talk about um, is Logan Paul. Logan Paul, I think, is in the running for being the best celebrity outside of wrestling to transition into the professional wrestling world. I think he has the spot as being the best that there's been, and I do include Bad Bunny in that. Bad Bunny's been fantastic. The the outings he's shown has been incredible, and a lot of people think he's at the forerunner of that. The only reason I am putting Logan Paul ahead of Bunny is because Logan's done it more times than what Bunny has done, And he has been absolutely fantastic with every single outing. And I mean that from working with The Miz as both partner and opponent, to then facing Roman Reigns, to then having a great match with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, His spot with Ricochet at the Rumble was absolutely amazing, and the upcoming match between the two of them at SummerSlam I think is actually going to be a potential show stealer if they let them do their thing, and Ricochet has actually improved not only on the mic, but with his overall in-ring work. He isn't much of the high risk taker that he once was, which I think is to his benefit, and he's concentrated a lot more on character and story as opposed to being just the flip and dive guy. So I do think that this match will be uh, a potential sleeper over the SummerSlam weekend, and only time will tell. But back to my original statement, yeah, I don't think you can present enough evidence to either say he isn't, or I don't think you could really say much more to go to the argument that he is the best guy that's done it outside of being a professional wrestler. He was made for it, his character's great, his character work has been phenomenal as a heel, he's a natural at, and honestly, he's just shown how much of a natural athlete and in-ring worker that he is, And yeah, I expect big things from Logan Paul. I also expect him at some point in time to hold a title. What title will he hold? I don't know. Don't really care. Would I prefer a secondary title like an Intercontinental or United States? Actually, yeah, I think he could do that. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Since he's not a full-time guy, it may not be the best move, but they've put the title, the title, on non-full-time guys before. So A secondary title wouldn't be too bad of an idea, but we'll see where things go at this point. Let's just continue to enjoy his work because he's more than earned the respect of any and every wrestling fan. But I wanted to also, with the Hurt Business being something we talked about earlier, factions within professional wrestling. I've always been a big fan of them personally, and I grew up in the time where factions were just starting to become the thing in wrestling i can remember the two earliest factions that i actually can remember that i would have have some sort of interest in whether it be i enjoyed them or i hated them uh was the nwo clearly and then for me it was the nation of domination you know i i think i really enjoyed their entrance music more than anything (laughs) you know even the rap version where they had the guy come in and do the lyrics to the song which oddly enough, was never officially released and I really wish they would have. So maybe WWE Music will eventually uh, release it on a supposed uncaged volume that may come out in some universe that hasn't already been done or whatever. But (laughs) either way, um, yes, I had heard of The Four Horsemen and I had seen a little bit of it, but it was obviously a WCW revamped version that wasn't the best at the time and then they tried to do it again in 98 and it had a little bit more success up until about the spring of 99 so um, but overall I think factions are a great thing for professional wrestling like I said the NWO was one I grew up with and was arguably my favorite to this day I could even say The Shield would be in that contention. Uh, DX is certainly there. I think for me as a kid, NW and DX were my thing. And the thing about it that people don't really understand about factions is that they are designed for one specific person usually. They're designed to get the focus on the leader of whoever the faction is, and then it's for that leader to help carry the group and hopefully you can bring them to a level of prominence which is basically what Roman Reigns stated oddly enough in a promo that he did during this whole bloodline implosion a lot of what he said was true is he was the one that needed to help elevate his family and he did that the Usos are now looked at as one of if not the greatest tag team Jey Uso has stepped it up as a main event player and I look forward to their match at SummerSlam that's what factions are meant to do. You're meant to put the focal point on one person while elevating the others around you. And I think there's something that people just don't really appreciate the tool that factions can do for you. You can make and break stars or you can revamp stars with a faction as well. And I really think they have an underappreciation at times, at least from the head of potentially WWE creative and I ain't talking about Triple H. We know what's been going on recently. And I wish he would have appreciated it more in his tenure because we're going around as that man did not. And I don't really get why. I think they've always been a great tool. And I look forward to seeing what other factions we see come to the forefront throughout these next few years in wrestling. Because I think there's a lot of potential that you could create factions, like the LWO is doing phenomenal work right now. Judgment Day, who please do not separate them right now. They don't need to implode like the bloodline. Let the bloodline have their end, and let's have Judgment Day. Personally, I would wait all the way until after WrestleMania next year. But hopefully we'll see them for at least six months longer and I personally, like I said, would love to see it go further, so let's just hope that Judgment Day stays intact for a while, because who would have thought that we would be talking positive about that faction when it was created over a year ago? I didn't think so. I was already over it from really the time it started, and that was even with Edge being the leader. So, I love that they've turned the ship around, and I hope nothing but the best for that faction going forward but the last thing i wanted to talk about today and i mentioned it earlier within the episode was ring of honor guys i hate saying this really i do because as somebody who got into ring of honor around 2014 2015 and stayed pretty consistent up until the pandemic um, i have to say ring of honor is a dead brand at this point Um, I can't really even tell you anything interesting that's going on. They've even had a tournament to decide who's going to face Samoa Joe for the TV title, I believe, at uh, Death Before Dishonor. And that's about as much as I know about the tournament. I think they're down to a finals of Shane Taylor and Dalton Castle, which I wouldn't even known that had it not been for Instagram. And now Mark Briscoe, who was supposed to face Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor world title after Eddie Kingston forfeited his title shot. And he's out now. He's not ruled to compete at Death Before dishonor. So I only know these things from just social media posts. I haven't really watched a single episode with the exception of the re-debut of ROH when they relaunched it. And since then, it's just not been anything that's compelled me. There's guys over there that I'm interested in. Like I've always been interested in The Righteous. Vincent, Dutch, and I actually like that they threw Stu Grayson in there as well. But outside of that, there's nothing there that really intrigues me, and I wish that wasn't the case. I wish Tony Khan would actually focus more time with ROH as opposed to just leaving it as a quiet brand. You could have done that by making Rampage the ROH show, or maybe do something similar to what you did with Battle of the Belts, or something along those lines, but there's nothing that really separates ROH from AEW. Essentially, ROH is the NXT of AEW, And I hate saying that, but it is a reality at this moment. You still have time to save it, but it would require a hard split of the rosters. And I'm not talking about dynamite collision. I'm talking about a split of the AEW roster and the ROH roster. And if they do that, then I can see Ring of Honor having a chance. But as it stands at this moment in time, it disappoints me to say that Ring of Honor is dead in the water and I don't really expect much of it. I do think that they'll turn out some cool matches every now and then and they'll get a little bit of interest here and there but I don't think we're ever going to see it have its level of prominence that it once was pre-pandemic and that's a disappointment to say but as I said before I just think it's a sad reality now. But guys, I actually have nothing else to speak about this week. It was maybe a shorter episode than usual, but I always like to hear your intake on what you feel on some of these topics. Do you think ROH is a dead brand? Are you a fan of factions? Are you looking forward to SummerSlam and is AEW doing things right by you? Let me know down in those comment sections down below. Also, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Make sure you've hit that bell notification if so, so that you are notified anytime we upload a video to the channel. We uploaded our newest interview just this past weekend with Tony Snow, who has made waves throughout the Oklahoma and Texas indie scene. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can keep up with the 4CP on all those social media sites. And as always, I will be back next week. I apologize that I took last week off. There were some technical difficulties that just would not have made for a decent show. So I went off and held off last week to give you this this week and the interview as well. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. And as always, guys, continue to support and love pro wrestling.